This episode is powered by Poddex. Um, this episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. Simply shuffle up. Ask a question and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com and use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey guys! Well, happy Tuesday. It's Podcast Tuesday again. It's another edition of Talking Pop. It's the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise. Of course, joining me, my co-host, Biko. What's up, guys? So, pretty much today's episode is going to be kind of like a news-heavy day because I know we just had the holiday hangover from Thanksgiving. So, a lot of interesting stories that happened over the weekend, um, especially especially in the world of Hollywood. Um, over the weekend, we lost David Prowse, if you're not familiar with that name. He was actually a stand-in for Darth Vader. But he was also he was a former English bodybuilder. He got into acting. He actually served in the English Royal Military, and he was in actually in Clockwork Orange, as well. Really? But yeah, he was in Clockwork Orange, and but he, most people know him as being the stand-in for Darth Vader. Even though James Earl Jones did the voice, but David Prowse was you know active part of that series for the films. So and apparently, it he passed away to complications from COVID. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, you see, I feel like we got to start a segment. I know it's it, it sucks because I know we lost we lost so many like celebrities so far this year with you know Alex Trebek and Sean Connery last time we talked and now David Prowse. It's like oh wow, it's yeah, it's what a time right now we're in basically. Yeah, I don't know. 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 I
Well, yeah, and like it sucks because like even um, I think I might have mentioned it last week too, but just seeing a lot of people kind of uh, either dying from COVID complications or even you know do, dealing with mental illness and stuff like that, like that's that's been taking a lot of people as well, and it's it's as much as you know you can sympathize can only hope but uh and understand try to where the, these people are coming from or what they're dealing with uh hence why like i don't i don't get the rhetoric that people well some of the population within this country or even some in other countries who knows but at least with the, based on my experience of what i'm seeing and here happening in this country and the notion of like making such a big deal of just wearing something in front of your face just being considered of others like this it's kind of weird to me like they're doing like it's that hard or like there's there's not even there's no like it's hard to it's hard to not rationalize that like i read a tweet earlier today that somebody tweeted out to ice tea right yeah saying like this bullshit all this stuff like the this stuff's not real, like, they're just trying to do this and this, and he's, like, he, he uh, replied to the at me, because I don't know how Twitter works, you do, but... Yeah, you can reply, you can reply directly, I think you can do, like, a DM, and then, or yeah, just uh, simply he, reply he, to tweet. He was, like, on, on top of her comment, because she added him on his, on hers, on her post. Yeah. And he saw that, and he's, like, he's, like, I had six people around me die of COVID, shut the fuck up, this shit's real. Because I I don't know like it's you know it is it is something that we need to I mean I'm sure this has been beaten to death by now like no pun intended but like fuck mm-hmm. like what are we gonna do like people just need to get around the fact that you just you know, put something in your face it's not that hard God because it's so bad to just wear something in front of your face it's it's making you healthier by not and like think about it. You're not getting the flu in this time, at least for us here in, in Illinois. But like, right now, technically, it's cold and flu season, oh, especially yeah, in the winter right cold. now. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's not, yeah, and I'm at a lake, so like it's fucking cold, you know? So it's not... If anything, I'm happy that like if it keeps my face cold anyways in the process, or warm, I mean, and like it's preventing me from getting a lot of runny noses because, you know, like you, it, you're also giving yourself a barrier to not get any sort of infection or yeah. and then the same thing you're kind of preventing you're preventing you're yourself from infecting others as well it's yeah. a, it's like common courtesy basically that's why like it's funny because other countries are like that it's like a social norm like in japan for example which is a common thing so people are if you're not yeah. feeling well you need to go out you wear a mask it's a common thing that you see that so far here in i i mean yeah we have fever a few instances here in illinois of people even getting hurt because they're, you know, getting upset they have to put on a mask. It's like, I don't see why. It's because a lot of people listen to mainstream media versus, you know, people that actually have it. I just wish, you know, the media will show people, you know, hey, this is somebody that actually has it that went through this experience, which it hits people very differently. You know, us, we had relatives that had it. And we had, a, like, our cousin-in-law, she, she had it. And to the point she lost her dad because of it. See, then we had aunt. She lost her father because of it. Um, her husband lost her, 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 his father because of it as well. I mean, it hits yeah. people differently. Oh. It hits people differently. People don't realize it's a form. It's a respiratory illness. People understand it's a respiratory illness. It's very important for people that have asthma, who have like breathing issues. It affects yeah. them more. But for you have to, you have to work and like you don't have to go that far, Cindy. 
Our friend Cindy. Our friend Cindy. She's she's, a, she's uh, asthma and stuff. Cindy, we had her on the podcast, and she has it to the point. That's why she has eyes there. So, but she's a, you get it. Our parents as as well. Our, our parents are up there, and they're susceptible to get it as well. So it's like yeah, yes. it's, it's not. It's and that's the thing. It's like it's not hard to be considerate, but I think that's a, that's that barrier that people have become. And it happens. It happens with every person who creates this sort of or who's found the opportunity to create this sort of comfortable environment that they live in or the community that they live in and in turn they i feel like they start to build up a conservative view of how their life shouldn't be affected or they should stop being considered it's always this like me 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 thing mm-hmm. that america perpetuates pretty often i mean it's in everything we do it's all of you know it's the eye of the beholder but it's only for me it's 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 that that mentality, and, and I'm not saying that it's just strictly to hear. It's just that it seems to be our like our business model or our business slogan of of perpetuating this idea of single like singular like success or whatnot. Because that's not the truth. And with when it comes to this, such as like a, a pandemic, you have to be considered. Like there, there. The, I think the, the problem is also is the messaging. We just we we don't with the messaging, right? So. We have people who are who are communicating these, we'll say like advisory, like advisory like things, but they're using this old message of like stay inside. No, you need to use it with a more sympathetic tone at a point of you have a grandma, you have a mother, you have a father, mm-hmm. you probably have a sister or a brother. Your neighbor has the same thing, so. You, and especially with people who have grandparents that live close, if you're close by, like, I'm sure many people wanted to spend their time with, especially with the holidays. Yeah, I know that, like, last week there was a big surge over the weekend for people that yeah, were trying to travel early, which I understand, but at the same time, it makes sense for, like, if your folks are not technologically, you know, there where they can use, you know, their phones, but it makes perfect sense. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you're going to have people gather, at least it's people that you kind of, like, you know, hang out with more. That you know for yeah. a fact you're around with more, and just keep it limited. That's all you had to do. Like us, we only had what two people with us. It was like the six of us only. Well, it's people that we hang out with more, but at the same time, it's like it was a small. We didn't have a lot of people, and we all understand that it's it's different during the holidays. Where, I mean, Chris, we got Christmas coming up as well, and I mean that's going to be the same thing. It could be just a small, intimate thing. I mean, that's why we have this. We live in a technology age where communication is not limited to. That's why Facebook has been, like, pushing the portal. Like, there's Google Nest. There's, like, you know, not messaging apps that you can use just to set up video calls. So, it's yeah, like we're not, like, very wise. But I understand the whole about of being there with them. The, the, the whole physically being there with them. If they live in another state or they live in another country. I understand that. But at the same time, you got to think of yourself that, hey, I don't want to put them at risk. Even though they're my relatives, they're my blood, I don't want to put them at risk. And they probably feel the same thing. But of course, you get people out there. They're stubborn. They're able to do it. And that's the thing is that like it's the stubbornness of everything. And I understand like it's not. I think our, our country's leaders will say. I hate to call them leaders because they're really not. Um, they're just not. The people who consider themselves in their positions are not helping us. And this is on both sides of the aisle. I don't care anymore. Like, uh, just, like we can only hope. 
yes, we can be wishful thinking with some of the people who have in our government who really are making strides and making progress for the better, but unfortunately they're outweighed by a lot of corporate greed, a lot of, you know, well, a lot of psychopathic greed as well, and these are just people who got into that power because of their, their morals and who they are, so... But this is a this is just like I hate to be political on this, but it's just a, a, yeah. a drop of the both sides out. Like both parties are guilty in this, um, and I hate that we only have two parties. And, but that's a whole other thing. I can that's I can go on rant for days for that. But um, point is, we also can't blame them all. It, it's also us. Uh, I don't know if you listened to Bill Burr's past episode. No, um, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. All right. Well, he he. Okay. Well, I won't spoil it. But uh, he talks about some stuff like that and. and how people perceive this thing, but in, in, in the advice portion of this stuff. But um, nonetheless, it's just kind of stupid how this has, it didn't have to be like this, and now we're back to doing the same shit. And they, they were predicting this the whole time. They said it. They since said last it. year. Since last fucking year. And what happened, dog? They've been saying it. And what's going to happen? Exactly. Now we're going to get a surge. And, and oh, I, for one, um, and I, I can't say for a fact that, like, I don't feel the difference down here. I mean, because, like, we're both living in different populations, so. Yeah, because you're, you're, like, in the city, and then it's, like, you're in the, in the city limits, and then I'm, like, I'm in the suburbs, but it's, like, it depends how, like, I know that each county has their own numbers and everything, and. You guys do it differently. Cook, it's all. We like, Kane County is kind of different the way to handle it. I mean, I do applaud for the fact that the city I live in, like, they, like the mayor helping, like, the community and stuff. Like, like I think last week before Thanksgiving, they were doing, like, a, a Thanksgiving drive where they were giving yeah. out meals for families right now that you're yeah. affected by COVID right now that can't go to work because of the job they work in is not considered essential. So, they're, at least he's able to provide, um, you know food for the families like they had thanksgiving dinners or that was awesome and then you know they stepped up out here you know in the western suburbs it's complete the way they handle things so far is great i mean there are, there are places to get tested and they are you can get masks and stuff it's like there's no shortage of that of course yeah there's another panic buy a toilet paper again but that's beyond the point i mean i understand that but, but the manufacturing is kind of low because they said that a few weeks ago before the holidays said that hey better stock up on toilet paper because that's going to be a hot commodity again, especially with the holidays and stuff. And, of course, you know, this I have weekend. I mean, yesterday was Saturday Monday. Of course, I work for, I don't want to say, because, you know, for fear of retribution, I work for a warehouse company that's mostly an online company. And, of course, you know, we're risking ourselves since March coming in. You know, I did my best. I had vacation time to cover and try to limit myself days there, but I had to go in because it's, you know, my livelihood right now. It's, you know, income-wise. Um, it's all you do at this moment, right? You gotta do what you. And at the same time, it's like for me, it's like I'm also too helping people because you know they're they're affected as well. They need the items, you know, a lot of essential items they need to order. But of course, you know, some of them who can't go outside because they're probably are sort to the symptoms of COVID. They have the convenience of ordering online. To me, that kind of yeah, I'm risking myself, you know, week day after day, going through temperature checks, making sure I'm taking care of myself, which I am, because it got me thinking like I need to take care of myself. You know, but at the same time, wear a mask. I'm like, I, it's become one of my daily routines where I, before I go out anywhere, I'm like, phone, wallet, keys, mask. That's like one thing because it's getting to the point that. But that's the thing. That's not the only like, and that's why I stress this enough to what the news isn't doing. And this is on purpose because 
it's not them that get paid by these big guys to be corporate. No, that's why I watch, like, I go on Reddit and just watch the testimonials, even in front of people there yeah, in the front lines, like, yeah. The whole, they're not preaching, taking, taking vital supplements for you to build up your immunity, exercising, eating a balanced diet. Like, I know it's hard when your money's tight, but at the end of the day, like, you don't, you know, there's still simple meals you can make on $5. Mm-hmm. And you can make rice, rice and beans last year. I know it sucks. Soup kind of helps, too. But you could, yeah, you could make it work, but that's besides the point, like, they're not they're not giving like offering suggestions on how to increase like how to better your health from the from from the the, the resources you have in front of you or you know from the opportunities you have in front of you such as that is maintained like these are simple things that should have been preached a long time ago but they don't because they want you to be sick that's mm-hmm. the whole point they, they don't because a sick patient isn't a isn't a uh, a returning customer or like a healed patient isn't a returning customer mm-hmm. so. I, I, I don't discredit the workers in, in the hospitals and stuff because they're working so hard and they're we're hitting a point like I we little pops there yesterday we we're listening to NPR and they're and they're talking on um, they had a I think I had nurse at uh, John Hopkins talking mm-hmm. about the data that there was like just the fact that they've been um, overstressed out and in, in, in the resources and there was like a, a children's hospital in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And start big adult patients now because the main hospitals Overfilled. in that certain region, the county, have already exhausted their sources. They don't even have enough nursing staff, and they even exhausted traveling nurses to come. So they had to um, partner with the children's hospital within their, I guess, their medical group to kind of take on adult patients wow. suffering with COVID. So it's like, and they were mentioning this even before, like in March, like right when the stuff. And that's what it is. It's the scientists who are mentioning it. CDC was mentioning it. Other other epidemiologists, experts are saying it. it's like we need to prepare for this. And no, it's still. But it, it takes it takes both sides. It, it does take the government sources, but they're fucking us over. And it takes the people to just try your best to stay inside. Or, or and I don't know. But like when when you know when push comes to shove, it's hard to remain hopeful. Uh, for people in certain situations, but um, all we can do is, is hope for the best. I actually, I can segue this because I did want to share this um, breaking news. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, the company Moderna, mm-hmm. they have just reported after um, they've held the trial for for a COVID vaccine, which is they were they were reporting before ninety four percent effective, which is higher than the Pfizer vaccine, which is ninety percent. Mm-hmm. And so now they're reporting that it's better than 94%, but also, uh, let's see. And so I, I read this article from sciencemagazine.org, and it says, Continuing the spate of the stunning news about COVID vaccines, the biotech company Moderna announced that the final results of the 30,000-person efficacy trial for its candidate in a press release today. Only 11 people who received, who received two doses of the vaccine developed for COVID-19 symptoms after being infected with the pandemic virus versus 185 symptomatic cases in the placebo group, that is an efficacy of 94.1%, which they reported a couple of days ago. The company says it's far above what many vaccine scientists were expecting just a few weeks ago. Correct. But what's more impressive is that Moderna's candidate had 100% efficacy against the, the severe disease. Hmm. There were still such COVID-19 cases amongst those who received the vaccine but 30 in the placebo group. 
The company today plans to file requests for emergency use for its vaccine within the uh, U.S. FDA and is also seeking a similar green light with the European Medicines Agency. Hmm. So that's um, that's incredible, which they quote they're saying absolutely remarkable. But yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. That's that's very promising. Think about it. Like out of those people, it, it they came back one hundred percent unaffected. So, and they're reporting symptoms. Of, you know of. Typical to what a flu like is. Like, yeah, because it's, it's it's almost like similar to like similar to like a flu. Like it's a, it's it goes through it, but it, they've been reporting like within two three days that the person's back to of not full strength, obviously, but like good good enough. Not recovering up to yeah, just recovering. Now we're gonna see is like um, I re, I did see a, a little news segment. Um, they had Andrew Yang on. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with Andrew Yang. No, uh, I heard his name pop up, but I didn't really. Uh, he was a, uh, a he was a Democrat private candidate for the presidential run back back earlier this year, mm-hmm. or not earlier last year. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he didn't win the, the nomination, um, although that's who I would have voted for. He's a big proponent for UBI, and he wants to bring t- uh, he wants he wants to reform police, like train them, give them proper actual training in a kid, like funding for that. He also is a He's actually a, an entrepreneur um, with a math background and all that stuff. He's, he's a pretty incredible person. And uh, he was saying how they should pay all Americans $1,500 to take the vaccine. They should pay them. Like, they should pay Americans to take it. Like, why should why should Americans be charged for something that it was the problem of the government? It was the, 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 the poor uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? The poor – reaction by our by our government that we give our money to to give us their social services and all that that all that jazz just drop the ball all around and like i mentioned i go back to the both sides so it, it was just it's you know these talking points are great but like it's just everyone's saying it and it's just the wrong people aren't doing anything about it so mm-hmm. um that's why i shared the moderna news i think that's incredible that we're gonna we're gonna see and I remember from the NPR segment, they said it could be rolled out if they do get the emergency green light. I feel like this they're just trying to do shady business deals from the uh, between the FDA and, the, and our government with giving it to Pfizer. I don't understand why. I know they're big players in the medical world, but yeah, they, you got to go with what works best. And if you're gonna do that crap for just like some money, which you already took from us, like that's just eh, it wouldn't be surprising. That's all I gotta say. It'd be stupid, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, incredible things to look forward to. Hopefully, Moderna does get the green light for that emergency rush uh, for with the FDA. But we'll see how that goes. Um, that was something I did want to share, considering that's pretty important. Yeah. I know it's funny. We got yeah. It's funny how we started off. You know with. How we talk about how David Prowse, you know, great movie actor and stuff, how he died of COVID and leads to all this. But hey, guys, it's just to give you guys, like, what we think, what we feel like, you know, what's going on, basically, from our point of view. It's like, because, like I said, that's promising that Moderna, those results are really promising. So I'm looking, hopefully they do, like you said, hopefully they do get the the emergency, you know, approval to to be rolled out. And then, of course, um, I think, too, relating to Europe, you're speaking about the European, they got approved as well. Apparently, on Reddit, it's been, like, you know, it's been a lot of riots, like, a lot of protests in France right now. But I guess the French government made a, they enacted a bill pretty much saying that 
they like people can no longer film police on their activities to hold them accountable. Yeah, that's insane. What an insane. And thinking, movie. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad they rioted over there. Yeah, See, that's, that's why I saw him like, oh my god, and it happened over the weekend. I'm like, holy shankies, oh, you know? How he got beat and everything? Do you even know about that? Like how the story is? He was a he's a record producer, a studio engineer out in France. He was just in front of his apartment smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Like his studio is in front, and and he wasn't wearing a mask, right? Because he was smoking a cigarette. And so the, the cops were like, "Where's your mask?" And they didn't want him to say anything. Obviously, this is all French. And then they just, eight, eight cops just start beating the living shit out of him, just because he didn't have a mask. But he was in front of his own studio, and it was they were saying, "Oh, he's what are you doing?" Like, "This is my studio." He's like, "Well, what are you doing outside with it?" Like, "What the fuck?" So, and it happened to be an African American, and it's we see it again how sad this could be that they're still getting treated so unfairly and amongst like people of color, and it's just fucking bullshit how an innocent man again is getting tormented and went through physical abuse. We're minding his own damn business in front of his studio where he works. <laughs> like, it's it's embarrassing. And then Macron, um, the, the Prime Minister Macron, or the President, went on and uh, issued an apology straight directly to him and called on the police. They rescinded that rule right away. They withdrew it, the bill. Yeah, they were trying to bill, and then they, I think they, you said... Like, yeah, before they rescinded it, that was crazy. And then I saw like video, like people, you know, upset and doing the protests in the streets. Like, oh I my mean, god, like, yeah, well, that's what they thought that France was progressive, but no, man. These, these thank god he right away he, he got rid of that order. Like, there's yeah, no way progressive. they just use those talking points to get people to still fall in line. That's fucked up, but still, yeah, um, yeah. What a, and I, I was talking with Pops about that too. If you heard it, and then that's when it popped up on NPR. And I was like, oh, I need you to hear this pop. And he's like, oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, right? You always judge, but it's like, you're right. It's like, no, it was... It happens. That, like, he, I get the feeling he yeah. thinks, oh, it happens just here. But no, it happens everywhere. Yeah, and, I, and like, you have to, it's because you're going to create scenarios with people who who might, you know, keep their mind closed on certain things. And I created a scenario. I was like, how, how would you feel if you were taking a break on the job? You went to get some coffee, and you're just sitting outside on, on the job site. You're just having your coffee, but, you know, you don't have a mask on. And eight cops come to you, and they're like, what, what are you doing no mask? You're like, I'm in front of this job. I'm working a job here, and I'm just going to get some coffee. And they just start hitting you. And he was like, well, that's not right. I mean, exactly. It's not that hard to put yourself in another person's shoes. Like, it's not right. It's just not right. So I'm like, why are you defending the people who are causing the problem in the first place? So here we are. Um exhausting ourselves with the same events that yeah. continue to happen. But one thing but, today um, that I just saw today, it was breaking news. Um, Umbrella Academy star, this is from comicbook.com. Umbrella Academy star Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, announces that he is transgender, non-binary. Wait, who? Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page. You know how she... Now he's he. Oh, well, Ellen Page. Ellen pa- Ellen pa- she identifies herself as male. So now it's Elliot. Yep. Um, she sent out a long Instagram. And it came on Instagram. It was breaking today. She just shared on our Instagram. It's a long message. But I can... Yeah, I can read some of it. Yeah, pull it up. It's like a caption on your message. It's on our profile. So it's her, And she already updated her socials. Elliot Page. And here we go. She's like, here are the note. So I'll read some of it. It's a long note. 
Well, she says, hi, friends. I want to share with you that I am trans. My pronouns are he or they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelmingly gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. I've been endlessly inspired by so many in the trans community. Thank you for your courage, your generosity, and condescendingly consistently working to make the world a more inclusive and compassionate place. I will offer whatever support I can and continue to strive for a more loving and equal society. I also ask for patience. My joy is real, but is also fragile. The truth is, despite feeling profoundly happy right now and knowing how much privilege I carry, I'm also scared. I'm scared of the invasiveness, the hate, the jokes, and the violence. To be clear, I'm not trying to dampen a moment that is joyous and one that I celebrate, but I want to address the full picture. The statistics are staggering. The discrimination towards trans people is, is rife, insidious, and cruel, resulting in horrific consequences. In 2020 alone, it has been reported that at least 40 transgender people have been murdered, the majority of which are, were black and Latinx trans women. To the political leaders who work to criminalize trans health care and deny our right to exist, and to all those with a massive platform who continue to spew hostility towards the trans community, you have blood on your hands. You unleash a fury of vile and demeaning rage that lands on the shoulders of the trans community, a community in which 40% of trans adults report attempting suicide. Enough is enough. You aren't being canceled. You are hurting people. I am one of those people and won't be silent in the face of your actions. Attacks. I love that I am trans. And I'm in love that I'm in that I am queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, and the more I dream, the more my heart grows and the more I thrive. To all trans people who deal with harassment, self-loathing, abuse, and the threat of violence every day, I see you. I love you. I will do anything I can to change this world for the better. Thank you for reading this. All my love, Elliot. amazing that uh he's finally feels good in, in his own skin and and frankly i think it's great and what i really loved is that he put the the he put out the the data the facts that yes a, a, a lot of transgender people were getting uh, were suffered a lot of acts of violence or and even death and especially with within the, the people of color community too as well within the lgbtq community and a lot of those happen to be African Americans and Latinas, Black, that next people, and it's unfortunate that, that that keeps continuing to happen too. And I'm glad that um, somebody with his platform is really standing up for it and is really, really taking action. I love that line he said, where we're not trying to cancel you. Mm-hmm. You, we're trying. Like you're hurting people. We're not trying to cancel you. You're hurting people. Like by not doing anything about it and. Frankly, I'm glad. This is this is you know when people get mad at celebrities for not not using their platform or something mm-hmm. for student something, but there are more than one celebrity. Like there's a lot of celebrities who do actually do a lot of good. It's always you know they're they only going to show the main main ones that they want you to keep in a loop. Who they probably don't really contribute much to society besides multi million dollar movies that are probably bust at the end of the day, but. There are some um, some celebrities who do truly try to help with the opportunity that they've been given and the platform they have. So I really appreciate Elliot Elliot Page for really doing that. I think it's amazing, and uh, I support support him and everything he does. And then it says here in this article, it also says Nick Adams. I'm going to continue to love him, and I still need to watch that Umbrella Academy. Yeah, and I like think the character he plays like um is um LBGQ, so it kind of helps too as well. 
okay, cool. So kind of, yeah. it kind of fits, and it's kind of cool. And this is all what Nick Adams, um, Glad's director of transgender media, adds. Elliot Page has given us some fantastic characters on screen. And has been an outspoken advocate for all LGBTQ people. He will now be an inspiration to countless trans and non-binary people. All transgender people deserve the chance to be ourselves and to be accepted for who we are. We celebrate the remarkable Elliot Page today. I mean, check out his work. You know, Juno, Hard Candy, um, X Men, Inception. Where he acted alongside uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course, Umbrella Academy is the most recent work he's done. I think he also did like a documentary thing too. When he was on uh, Mark Maron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix as well. Well, that's, oh, that's a good piece of news right there. You know, something uplifting, you know. It's kind of like something uplifting today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because I always like to see people like, you know, feel confident in their own skin that's what i like it's just i i love the expression of of that like i i, I appreciate that that people can feel confident in whatever they want to express themselves or or identify themselves as because it's up to them and you know there's there's different ways of going about that and, and people have their opinions on it and i respect that but at, at the end of the day it's like it, what's important is how that person feels about themselves. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if they, if they want to be addressed a certain way, just address them. Is it really hurting your life? No, just it's just communicate it. Like I've gotten the I've gotten the, the the privilege and the pleasure of working with many people from the LGBTQ plus community, and they're all amazing. Like we have people in our family who are LGBTQ, so it's just like there's no sense in you know hate only brings more hate. There's no sense in it. It's just and I love those people to death. So it's just like there's no sense. And they're people at the end of the day. They're people. Yeah. <laughs> so want to feel comfortable in the world that we all share together. That's it. We don't need the senseless violence. We don't. But yeah, human or humans be humans, right? Humans doing humans things. But um, yeah, that's a nice little uplifting thing. Uh, let's uh, I got we let's talk about the Mandalorian, and then I want to rant about some of the Grammys nominations because. Finally, I can talk about some music shit that's actually getting to pop up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, oh, let's jump into Mandalorians because I know I saw it. When did I see it? I yeah, saw Friday. Give us a, a short little, like a short little synopsis of what we saw. Yeah. So basically, I mean, it's called the Jedi. It's just Jedi. Let me see if I can pull up the, the info in here. So uh, let me pull up the review at least, like a review. Let's see what. Because I can usually reviews usually have. Have it on there, Mandalorian. Let's see review episode. Let's see episode guide. That's all I was looking for. Episode guide. Chapter twelve. Chapter thirteen was called. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Here we go. The Jedi. Here we go. Recap from Vulture. <laughs> Yeah, so pretty much, um, chapter thirteen is called the Jedi, which came out Black Friday. <laughs> so, and pretty much, um, you know, when we left off after the siege, you know, he's, you know, he finally lands on the on the planet of Corvus, on the Force uh, planet of Corvus. And what's cool about this episode, um, pretty much the whole thing is, you know, he's seeking out the Jedi. But it opens up, you know, this community, this town, this village, 
who's being ruled by someone that works probably from one of the administrators from the Empire. And we finally get to see Ahsoka Tanu make her live-action appearance because she's the Jedi that's pretty much trying to liberate the town, liberate the village. And, of course, uh, the town, the planet, it's called Caldon, but the, it's from the forest moons of, like, Corvus. And, of course, um, we get a good fight scene by Rosario Dawson, who plays Ahsoka Tano, which, honestly, she looks amazing. It was a really good oh, sequence. Yeah. It looks amazing. And I know a lot of people were, when I read the reviews, a lot of people were saying, how come her little things are kind of shorter? But it kind of makes sense because of movement and stuff. Just get that flow of the movement. I mean, this is a character that was introduced by Dave Filoni, who, was, who directed and wrote this episode. So he probably was proud of bringing her, the character that he helped create to life. And, you know, I've seen this character, you know, I have to go back and watch Clone Wars and Rebels just to see how this character evolved over time. And I'm just glad that we finally get to see another character from the Star Wars lore, from the from the TV shows that now they're officially canon, make her appearance, yeah. make her live action debut. And you know when they announced Rosario Dawson, I'm like, oh cool, that's awesome because now at least she did Marvel, now she's in the world of Star Wars, so that was kind of cool, as well. Yeah. So basically, the magistrate is played by De- oh, Diana yeah. Lee Innocento. She's commanding scouts and pretty much the town, you know, the village. She's ruled with iron fists. Um. And, of course, you know, she kind of threatens, like, you know, Asagotan says, you know, give me your answer. She wants to find out who her master is and stuff, who she serves. So, so she gets stubborn. And, of course, here comes Mando. And, of course, Mando is like, you know, it's like this could be the last thing of his dance. So he tries to talk to the child and take care of him and stuff. And then, of course, the little baby is still obsessed with that little joy, the little button thing on the joystick. The little ball thing, so he sees he uses the force to untwist it again. <laughs> it's funny. Again, uses the the child uses the force powers again to get the ball thing out. He's like, "Hey, this is not you use again." So he finally gets there. And of course, he gets to the town because he wants to get like information. And of course, um, whenever he's walking through, the people are frightened to the point they can't talk, not allowed to speak, and um, to the point he sees people hanging on the stand those torture things. Being electrocuted. Yeah, so the magistrate introduces herself and finds out she, it's a Mandalorian and she actually contracts him to for a job. And of course it goes back to the whole our Mandalorians and Jedi's are mortal enemies, basically. And she offers him like the reward of he kills the Jedi to get this spear that's like made by that armor, the Baskar armor that he cornered he has. And it's because it's modeled like it's it's like the only way it's basically the armor is the armor they seek high class because it's an armor that a lightsaber cannot penetrate. Because you see how lightsabers like pretty much penetrate any metal, but what's special about this particular metal, the Baskar armor uh, metal, is like a lightsaber cannot cut through. That's why it's so sought after. That's why it's it's highly valuable. That's why they always attacking him for his armor. And of course, she offers him the spear. Shows him the spear, so he goes out, pretending he's doing so-called job, air quotes, um, and ends up running across her. And he's like, wait, wait, I bring the child. And of course, um, they end up like going somewhere and pretty much deep in the forest. And um, of course, you know, Ahsoka like kind of does like the Jedi mind meld thing where she's hearing the, the child's thoughts and everything. 
Yeah, yeah. And he, and he mentions that he got sent by Bo-Katan to find her. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan mentions Bo-Katan, so kind of like she turns her guard down as soon as she heard about Bo-Katan. That he sent, sent him to talk to her. So they threw the whole mind meld and pretty much... Guys, spoiler alert, we do find out the child's name. The child does have a name. Which is... What's, I don't, what's your name? I thought you saw the episode. I did, I just didn't catch that part. His name is Grogu. Grogu. So no longer the child, no longer Baby Yoda, guys. It's Grogu. That's his name. So now we know his name is Grogu. And pretty much, um... So pretty much, its name's Grogu, and then the child grew up on Coruscant. Even the child doesn't speak. She pretty much, of course, of course, Ahsoka, like, she's very wary of the Mandalorians. So she still has that whole kind of ignorance towards them, even though Bukatan is someone that she respects. But um, she talks to him through the child, finding out that his name is Grogu, grew up in the Jedi Temple in Coruscant, mm-hmm. where many masters trained the child over the years. Of course, when Coruscant after the Clone Wars went sideways, so of course I bet you it was during when when Anakin went to destroy the attack the Jedi Temple. You know, probably some researchers of Jedi's that were left over that survived took the child away for safety. Yeah. Which it says here's and the Clone Wars going to this Vulture article. So apparently after going through like the mind, she's like investigating his mind and everything, and um, you know, there's some memories that became dark after that. And pretty much, you know, she says that policy met other one being never resembles him, of course Yoda. Yoda's other species because she came across Master Yoda, so that's why she sees that's familiar. Um, that can yeah. be a possibility. And of course, um, you know, Din, Din Djarin, who's the Mandalorian, um, he asks her, hey, can you train the child? And of course, you know, she's going to test him. So she tries to test him, and of course, you know, they do the simple test where she throws the she like uses the force power to move the rock and the child and Grogu has to like use the, his force powers to move it back. And of course, he can't do yeah. it. He's struggling. Yeah. He's nervous. He's afraid. And then, yeah, and then, and then, as soon as she gets mad, that she gets in the help, they get the little ball thing out. It's the end in his pocket. And as soon as um he takes it from home, and she realizes that he kind of like it's because um. She sees that um, Grogu has a strong attachment to Mando. Well, yeah, that's that's. So the problem thing with the Jedi is the Jedi their feelings. They gotta like sort out their feelings and have these dark feelings. Because she says that the child does have because of the, so, because he has such feelings that of course you know. Because attachment builds fear. Fear and anger. Of attachment builds up anger, and then anger builds up that same fear. And how can corrupt a Jedi? And of course, she makes a reference, even though she doesn't mention the name Anakin. Even though she, you can tell she kind of. It, it could be. To, it, it's seen one of our best, right? It's mm-hmm. one of our and you best. can tell it, it still haunts her because she's still traumatized from it. Because that's someone that she'd look up to. That was, she was his Padawan and come to the yeah. dark side based on his undiscipline and his dark feelings, his attachments. So, fortunately, she cannot train him to the point where. You know, Din tries his hardest um, 
tries his hardest to like urge her on, please train them, take them on. You know, this is my mission. So right now, they certainly agree to help. That she agrees to have him help liberate the village. To go take on the magistrate, which they do. Because they said, since they come from different, you know, backgrounds, and they say, you know, they're going to do a plan where it says a man, because he tells her that, you know, he was contracted to go kill her. The magistrate gave him a job. So, he's not going to do it, obviously. Um, So, they decided to do something where a Jedi and Mandalorian working together, they'll never see it coming. (laughs) That was funny when they said that phrase, and of course... It goes to the plan where, you know, he becomes a distraction. Where pretty much, you know, she infiltrates the town. And she pretends she took out the Mandalorian. She's a draw out the Magistrate. And of course, Mandal comes in, sneak attack. And ends up being a duel between the Magistrate and Ahsoka. Which we find out during her fireside chat that it's somebody that she helped. Her people were, the Magistrate's people were on the planet during the Clone Wars. They got wiped out, pretty much wiped out. So she ended up. So that girl that she probably came across grew up in with hate and anger and stuff and resentment. So she kind of feels somewhat responsible for grooming that. Mm-hmm. So that's why they had that good battle sequence, which was really good. The action was really good in this thing. It, it felt like an episode of Clone Wars. Yeah, it was pretty great. It, like, it felt like watching an episode of Clone Wars. Like, the action was really good. Like The stunt, the coronation was great. And like a Western, of course, we have to have a little Western style duel between that one guy that was working with the magistrate. It's like, hey, I have no core with you, Mandalorian. And then all of a sudden, it's like a quick draw thing. So, of course, there's the Western aspect of it. And, and of course, we end up having the name get dropped. Um, finally, she finds out. She finally wins the duel. So, Ahsoka wins, wins the duel. To the point, she finally gets the name of the Master. And the name she gets, Grand Admiral Thrawn, is the name. So if you have watched Rebels, you know who it is. So it's a possibility we could see a live-action version of Thrawn make his way into the Mandalorian. Because if you watch Rebels, you probably know who it is. Which is just going to keep, this is just going to blow up. Everything again, and I, I like where I like. And then, of course, you know, after that, again, Ahsoka will not train him. Will not train Goku after all that, but she does point him in the right direction to go to this other this old Jedi temple. That's on a mountain. That's some out because it could be other Jedi if any other Jedi are out there. Because remember, she's not aware of of Luke. Because remember, this takes place like five months after the Empire falls, so she's not aware of Luke Skywalker. But it could be a possibility where if they do bring Luke Skywalker in, it's a possibility it probably won't be Mark Hamill. Because a lot of people are like, with this, this guy... But a lot of people are saying, based on this episode, it could be Urza Bridger. Because remember, he got trained under a former Jedi in hiding. He got trained by Kanan in Rebels. So he could be still be alive. That could be looking out. And then, like I said, and like I said, go to this Jedi temple, put him to the trial. Maybe other Jedi will seek, out, will seek him out. Like, be able to train him. So, then pretty much just how the episode ends. Like, he gets sent off and we'll see goodbye to the Soka. So, hopefully, she makes a comeback later this season. Or possibly in the following season, people are re-urging a spinoff. But, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll want, we'll, she'll make an appearance again. Because honestly, 
Rosario Dawson did a really, really good job of training the character. I had no complaints. I like the way the movement and she has the two lightsabers. It's kind of cool the way she holds them like she does in the, in the cartoon in the series. And then she's got the white lightsabers, which are very interesting. Um, it was good. But having the name Admiral Thrawn thrown in there was like, holy shit, now i got to watch Rebels. <laughs> because it's like, to find out where he was from. And of course, you know, like I said, it's those simple nods to like, to like, to, like yeah, she won't mention Anakin because you can tell she's still... It's traumatized from it, and Yoda's name got dropped, and like I said, the whole could be other Jedi out there. Like I said, not, people are saying Urza Bridgman came to mind, and like Luke Skywalker, so if they ever bring Luke Skywalker back into a full Mandalorian, they could, like people are saying Sebastian Stan can stand in for a young Luke. I mean, Mark Hamill. So bad, it's a possibility they could bring him in to portray Luke when he's younger. If they go that route. Soldier? Yeah, he's Winter Soldier. Right. And Mad Hatter and Once Upon a Time. But they, it's a possibility it could bring him on just to be like in a flashback or something. Or it could be Luke in the flashback. Oh, yeah. That could be the case. Because I think yeah, someone yeah. like someone posted online how he will look like. <laughs> how Sebastian Stan will look like as a young Luke. The furry hair on him, too. Like post-Return Jedi look, pretty much. Oh, my God. But we'll see. But a lot of people are saying Urja Bridger might be... He's from Rebels, could make an appearance because he could be one of the last remaining Jedi remaining around that time. Because, you know, Luke had to rebuild the whole order again. So it's like. But we'll see. I mean, honestly, this episode's good. I liked it. It, was, it felt like an episode of Clone Wars. Pacing was great, action was great. You know, the sun coordination was phenomenal. Like Ahsoka did a great performance. It was more like. It was more focused on her, Mass and Mando, a little bit, too. So it was like an intro- it's like her introduction. I think because it was more like an introduction, like where she's at and stuff. That she has her own like she has her own mission, and her own mission is to track down Thrawn. Right, but that, that's okay. So you you think they gave enough information about that? You think? Well, she got a name. I mean, she at least got a name of who she who oh. she's looking for, but like location or something. Huh? And I understand that, like, because like, they have to save it for because we're only getting bits and pieces week to week, but. See, I disagree with the fact that we got more of a, a good idea. Knowing that, like, they focused her more of the episode on her. I mean, it started out as her, yeah. but, like, I just felt like they didn't, um, to introduce a character, they've done it well in the first season and then a couple of these episodes so far, but I think they don't take enough time to do it with their really popular, I mean, especially if we're going to introduce more Jedi as you can see, and then considering that they've been looking for Jedi, like the Empire has been really persistent at getting Jedi, holding them hostage, and creating, you know, their own forms of Jedi. But like, I don't think they're doing. I don't think they're doing very well with that because of the pacing of each episode. Like, these things have to move on so quickly. Like this episode, what was the runtime on it? I don't remember. It was like forty something. Minutes. Forty minutes. It was like forty minutes. Right. Okay. So we go from we go from like forty five to thirty. To 40-ish, then 45, 40-ish again. This is the fifth episode, I believe. So yeah, this like, is like the fifth now. I think it's like three yeah, more episodes, but I think it's only added eight episodes again, like they did with the first season, so... Yeah, so, and that's my problem, is like, since we're only getting eight episodes, at least when it came to the first season, the pacing was there for a reason, and it seemed like each scene was mm-hmm. very necessary, which in Star Wars, that's like... I think what it, I guess with the old movies, there wasn't a lot of fluff, but each scene left you with a lot of exposition that was necessary to move the arc of the story. Mm-hmm. And with the one, 
I felt like she's such a very important character to the whole canon. And where I see this going is that they, they for Disney to really, I want to say, uh, redeem themselves in my eyes. Because um, people feel different about the Disney trilogy, but in my eyes, they needed to encapsulate and and stop making everything separate. Like this is a, a separate war thing, and the movies are different. It's like no, not this is dumb. Like now that they're introducing actual canon characters, like the show now, like Marvel doing with their shit, like because they're all in the same movies. But I, it's like why can't they do that with the Star Wars? But, yeah. So we run into that issue to where they, we see Mandalorian kind of getting, not stunted, but I think the second season, I, I don't know what they were telling Ben Favreau and how they want it since it's only eight episodes. I think, I, I think the whole thing was the first season, like. It's just bothering me because yeah. it doesn't, like each episode, there's, it doesn't, it doesn't, like the last one left with the gun punch once they mentioned Sobatanu and then we're finally close. And then this one with Admiral, uh, uh, what's his name? Admiral Thrawn getting thrown in. Yeah, so we get that towards the end. Okay, cliffhanger, 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 yada, yada, yada. But, like, that's the problem. It's like, they, they, if they wanted to focus this episode on introducing us or introducing the, the broader audience to get, keep people watching, it just seemed like it was rushed. Like, she gets to the magistrate, they... They do their thing. She leaves after like she beats all their scout, uh, their scout troops like asses, including the people up there. And they go there. She they they fight the two droids, all that. They go with her and Mando. Cool. We see a, another you know situation where it's it's very heavy action. It's great. But then it just felt like pretty plain because this menacing character we're supposed to be afraid of in the first five minutes was taken out so fast with the um. And then the best part was of Mando, at least action was with that part, it was Mando fucking doing the, the, the old school Western drama, which I knew was going to happen. Of course, he's going to pull the, the back pistol, but that had more intensity than her finally trying to get information from this person willing the Mandalorian, like, staff, like, like cool pick thing, ending up, you know, being a winner, but... It's like, if that was the, the climax they were trying to reach, I think it just didn't... Like, we didn't even get her enough time to actually test the child. It, it seemed like... Yeah, I mean, it was a short test, but it was, like, one of those short tests that she gave him. Yeah, I wish she yeah. could... I wish... But, it's like, I don't know. It kind of sucks because, like, we only get, like... I, I kind of agree with you with that, but we only got bits and pieces based on her mind-sharing. Like, the mind-Jedi mind-sharing with the child. But I think with the child not speaking and stuff, it's kind of hard because she's getting it just from his thoughts. But doing that simple test, okay, it was a simple test. I wish it would have been a better test, but I understand what she was trying to do. It was one of those basic tests just to test the force. But yeah. just based on her evaluation of the child, I wish it would have been longer than that. But, yeah, but I think with the time that this episode was showing, like, of course, it had to be quick and, like, based on her evaluation where she cannot train him, like, he's still undisciplined and stuff. But because of his attachment to Mando, I understand because she, like, you know, Grogu developed a fodder attachment to Mando because he's he sees him as like a spotter figure pretty much and of course with Jedi's it's kind of hard having those attachments because now what happens like your feelings could be cloud your judgment and everything become undisciplined that's why and she feels she's afraid because if she trains him that he'll turn away how Anakin happened what happened with Anakin and so I think that's because she still has that whole traumatized from that point because she couldn't save him she couldn't save Anakin right but no one was going to save him. He was too far gone. But he was too far gone, yeah. 
but but I didn't, that's that's the gripe I had with it. It's just that like it's like oh cool we're gonna finally get his testing with the Jedi. One girl's like meh, and yeah he does the thing with the, the ball with Mando because yeah she's like telling him like connect with him, connect with him, which is good because that's what it is. He Mando's been connecting with him and he's been like saving his life in the process. So they already had that connection. It's just it's kind of weird how like yeah we didn't get enough time. So like, they could have built that up even with the beginning of this, with the episode, but they kind of just spent a lot of time on that first like one in, in the beginning intro scenes and then like Mando kind of getting there, which I understand they have to build the exposition between him and the magistrates in order for them to meet. Mm-hmm. And and that was was great too. But then like after that is when we we should have started seeing the testing with with the the. Or whatever thing is the child and Grogu. Like it was that's that's the part where I didn't I don't understand. Sometimes like the pacing's been okay for some of these episodes, but like mm-hmm. that's where like they lose me sometimes. So I'm just kind of like, look, you gave. I don't even think Luke Skywalker had that long of screen time for his training thing. Like we had more when he was in Dagobah. So like that, and that was in the second movie, and that wasn't even that much of a longer like actual. Like just I'm thinking this probably can lead up to another Jedi. That's why a lot of people are hoping it is Urza Bridger that ends up finding them and be able to train them. So that's why I think this is probably what's going to lead up to. So hopefully we'll see. Like see what, how the next episode is going to be. Because I think with this season, like I was saying, I was about to say, it's like I like the first season was all about getting more background on you know the Mandalorian, his background to see where he came from, how he was raised. He was a filing. He was raised by. You find out the second season. He was raised by a different sect of Mandalorians, the Death Watch. So we get that because I think more the second scene was more interesting characters, but like getting a little bit from like another character present on the Mandalorian culture, but from other people basically. What I'm oh, saying, yeah. just That's getting development cool. from him based on what others around him. Like it was more focused on you know people, but we're getting more see more people that he's running across. Yeah, and his interactions, how it, like his personality is starting like to shape up a little bit because like in the first season, yeah, he was more sent his way based on the Death Watch's teachings, but working with different people, he's starting to open up just a little bit. You see a little bit of the compassion because remember the first sub- first season, he hated droids with a passion, and it took like that medical droid to help him out. That kind of opened his eyes. Like not all droids are bad. Yeah. So it's the same cloud of judgment. His judgment just starting to step a little bit. He started to become more human almost aspect of it, his personality-wise. I think that's why this season's kind of different because it's like, he's getting a little bit of character development, but like the main focus is now it's more on the child, per se, on Grogu. But at the same time, Mando's, his personality, based on the interactions and all the revelations he's getting, basically. Like the compassion. Because, yeah, he's all, all just take care of job and stuff. But you saw, like, in the last season with the, the prison thing, how his compassion, his judgment was starting to change now. Yeah. But, it like I said, like, this season, like, it's kind of changing. Like, his personality is starting to change a little more. He's not being almost like almost like a robotic-esque where, oh, it's just a job and that's it. But he's starting to, his judgment is starting to change. As it should, because it's like, he, we have to see more... Um... He's being, like, humanized, basically. He's being more humanized, basically. I, I guess, like... I guess if you want to call him that in the Star Wars universe, but, um... We want to see, like... I mean, because that's... That we were getting somewhat little shines of his personality throughout the, the time from the first season and this season's cool, because 
we still see that genuine like back and forth he gets with the, what's his name Gro- Grogu. Grogu. I know the name. It's gonna get. It's gonna take a while for that name to stick, but its name is Grogu. Grogu. No, it's just a weird name, but Grogu and and it's gonna be fine. It's just it's something to get used to because it it's like I wanted to see progression within his character because we're gonna reach that pivot point to where he does get the child into the right hands, and it's like you mentioned before that we're trying to get him to train with a certain one now that Sokotan doesn't want to train with this one. So that's why I train him because of that certain attachment. Who's to say that that's not going to deter another Jedi from having the same response? But if we're only leading up to that part, that to that like part of the arc of the story, mm-hmm. to where we see, I, mean, I, I have a feeling they're going to end it like that. We're already going to have what two more episodes? I can see them ending it to where because he already went to Corvus. That was what we were kind of leading up to the first season, and then he's now he's at Corvus, and so now we're going to get more Jedi thrown in involved, but. Now we are, like at the cost of what your main character kind of taking a backseat while they do that, which is fine. But at the same time, it's kind of like the western, the little western shtick kind of stuff was like a little bit back, mm-hmm. like back at this episode, which is fine because like he wasn't the main focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that like even with him taking the the one part that he all he was was just taking the the job from the magistrate only because he wanted to get to the Jedi so he could exchange that information that was necessary for both times. It's kind of like so, warn her, yeah. That, like, he had to use that. Like, you have to do that. Sometimes, you know, information is valuable, so... And you know, however means you get it, right? So... Yeah. He had, you know, he had to uh, grease the wheels on both ends. And he, and that was nice. It was a little change of pace for him, for his character because we always see him running somewhere. He needs something and he has to do some job for somebody else. That's kind of like... It's, it's like... It, pretty cyclical it's, it's procedure it's like watching law and order mm-hmm. like a long order at the episode like you kind of understand that they're going to end up winning at the end sometimes they don't and that's when they get you but like half the time you know when this case is going to get resolved and it's kind of like the same with Mando but I like when they do these little little changes into the story and, and I, I do like that he took a back seat on this and it wasn't so sticky so I just wish they would have gave a little more um, at least for the general fans not necessarily people who do dive like into the, the canon, like just for the general audience, I wish they would give them more background on uh, uh, some topic because, like, yes, it's not Anakin, it's not Luke, it's not like the ones they're used to. It's not, it's not based. It's, it's not what they're used to. Like a whole other, like unless you play the games or unless you read the books or unless you like really have that curiosity for this universe and there's Luke to get up, like you're gonna have a hard time. Okay, like. Yeah, I can't. I don't. See, it's like a Star Trek, right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I hear a lot of great things about Star Trek. I have not seen it. I. I oh, Star Trek Discovery. Seen, yeah. Like the the old ones, because I do hear good things. And Star Trek sounds cool, but like, it's not that I don't have an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. I just was introduced to Star Wars a lot earlier on, but uh, it's like that. Like, you, you're not gonna get everybody to enjoy something, especially with so much content these days. It's like you gotta pick your battles, and so with Star Trek being involved, I would assume that like. With Star Trek as my example, you would think that more people would grab, you know, it would remember back in the days to be Trekkies versus Star Wars, right? You're either which one or that, and it's like, no, it shouldn't be that way. But as you grow older, I, I have a, a found, I found a nice respect for them for Star Trek. It does, like, once I at least read, like, some synopsis of what it's about, I'm like, oh, it's dope. It's like humans 
far into the future, just kind of trying to discover new worlds and, and come in peace and stuff and understand it as opposed to like this manifest destiny thing that kind of matters what the Western world has become, unfortunately. So, you know, it's 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 all it's like once humanity beat up like saw what past currently and today like it's like the nothing utopian spaceship but like a, a little team with a, a an agreed upon mission for like right so it's it's interesting to see it kind of play out like we get star wars getting played out like that um and i can only hope that in the Warriors, that maybe next season they get more episodes, or they get, you know, they get to be like more. Eight episodes might be like a short for a one day a week show, which I know why they do that, but I don't think that's going to last. That, that type of model for their properties are going to last that long. Like, I mean, I'm going to add a bunch of holiday stuff, but like, Oh yeah, there's gonna be the Lego Star Wars holiday special that's coming out. The Lego Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. They're not winning any battles, doing it once a week, only to give people time to digest. Sure, but like my my boys watches it the, as soon as midnight hits, he, <laughs> he starts to watch it. Like he, there's not an underround, or he's or he yeah. I think Kevin Smith kind of like. He he started watching like at two a.m. and he's like, and he sent out a thing on his Instagram congratulating Rosario Dawson on you know because he worked with her on uh, Clerks too and now he's proud of her and stuff and you know, he's a big Star Wars fan so it's like, you know it was good like getting that praise and of course she's under fire as well it's like oh my god the things they say to get criticized as well it's like, you know it's it's crazy but it's a good episode like I said it was decent. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Because cool. now that's why I like having these sh- uh, shows coming out on a weekly because it gets your anticipation, gives you time to talk about, it, discuss it, and gets you hyped up for the next episode instead of just binging all the way. Mm-hmm. Which I understand, but like that's that's old, like it's old TV structure that won't like people are gonna want to watch it right away. And even mm-hmm. if you do that, like yeah, there's only eight episodes, but did you? After even seeing the first Mandalorian, did you go back and watch it? Like the first season? Yeah. No, I haven't. But I, I I will go back. But now I'm like, I gotta go back and watch Clone Wars and watch Rebels because there's so much background. Like, so much stuff that I missed. Because like I said, I didn't see those shows when they first aired. But Because at first I thought, maybe they're not canon. But of course, when Lucasfilms got bought by Disney and then... Disney decided over developing Trojan and said all the material in those shows are now canon, so they kind of introduced that now these characters are part of the universe. So that's why it's like, now I gotta go back and watch it. Just get the background on where these characters come from and where they're making their appearances from. Like, I knew Ahsoka Tempa because I remember watching the old Star Wars clips of her on the, on the Clone Wars. But now with Amber Thrawn, it's like, now I gotta watch Rebels because that apparently his name gets pulled up in Rebels a lot. So it's like, I gotta go back and watch these shows just to get a bigger background into the Lord of Mandalorian. Yeah, I'll probably go back and watch the first season because now it kind of connects everything. But now I want to go back to Clone Wars, watch that, and then, you know, watch Rebels just to get the whole idea of it. But like I said, overall, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, what was your final opinion on the episode? I will say, if I have to give it like a grade, I would give it like an A-. A-? Yeah. Okay. 
It's like one of those things. It's kind of almost like... You think about it, it's almost like anime in an aspect where... Like, if you read the manga, and in the course in manga, it's like they jump from point A to point B. So they kind of skip the stuff in between. It's kind of like adding a filler episode, what they call it. Where it's like an original thing done by the studio just to bridge the gap from point A to point B in chapters of the manga. So I think that's what it is with the fish thing. It's kind of like a bridging the gap between, you know... He's got to go to Corvus, and those episodes were like a bridge between... Kind of like the filler almost aspect of it. Just how he got to that point. So, alright. Um, moving on, I know you want to talk about the Grammys. Because I know you got to go soon. <laughs> yeah, I. I oh, don't get me started. Uh, so. Here we go. Something music related, everybody. Something music related. So, here we go. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I want to talk about music. Uh, it's funny because yesterday I didn't listen, uh, even on my commute, I didn't listen to any podcast or anything because. I had my headphones and the helmet, but, like, I had everything so bogged down in my bag that I couldn't, like, reach out. But it was nice because it was a very nice commute, and I was like, oh, you know what? It's cool. And, and I don't know. It was a very weird Monday because it was very – it was, like, a chill winter day in the city. And, like, it felt weird being, like, after a long day, you just need that moment of silence. So it was kind of nice to just hear, like, the – you said the environment you're in, so I took it like a time to kind of just like chill. But uh, I learned, I read, I was doing some reading, I saw that the Grammy nominations were uh, released in the, for the 2021 show coming up, and I believe it's usually around February, so they just announced the nominations around this time. And uh, every year, I always laugh because it's so funny because the Academy every year they call it Academy or whatever they call it. Every year, they always seem to be so disconnected. Because if nobody knows, the music industry is very dirty. Um, I'm very dirty. Uh, it's just like the it's just like the drug game. It's, it's, it's about the same. It works. It's all about what you know. And the labels are essentially the plugs. So they're the ones who are. And they they sit before the academy with who have a lot of strong ties. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember within the last two months, the weekend was, you know, pretty outspoken about being snubbed. The Halsey was also snubbed in her album because she was speaking about, which is very strange, but she was speaking about, like, being bipolar on that stuff in her album. It's called Manic. Mm-hmm. And it was, I listened to her at a podcast uh, talking about it, and, and she wrote a poetry book, too. And I was like, ah, oh. so I, I found a good, a good respect for her, too, as well. 
but like a lot, a couple of people's albums were snubbed, and and a lot of the artists were pretty vocal about it, and, and it kind of started, I think, a, a trend on Twitter, which people are like, what the hell? Why didn't the weekend? Like the weekend had the biggest song of last year going into this year, like Blinding Lights. Like it's. So- I, I love that song, and I'm glad. Like, that, it's a catchy song when I first saw. I mean, I like this. I like Weekend. I like his. I'm like I liked his lyrics and like the beat he adds that accompanies it is really good. And Blind Lights is a great song. It's a great it's song. Still on the t- it's still on the chart. It's still and it's, this whole album was pretty excellent. And it's still like, but I'm a biased fan because I love the weekend. I've been listening to him since like fucking since his mixed his his uh his Thursday mixtape days. Like, and it's, it's insane that to see the, the career he's had so far and to see him on the top of the world with that and not even getting a nominee for that. And so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read the listings for uh, the general field, right? So like, which is usually what people's role, because the Grammys are essentially, how do I compare it? It's basically like the Oscars of the music industry. In a sense of like for the culture. Like categories and stuff. Yeah. It helps artists because it does like to be Grammy nominated and stuff. It helps your album sales. It does. It's like that. Helps your streams as well. It's like getting that New York best time seller bullshit. When you're an author, yeah. It's like if you're an author, New York Times bestseller. Um, There's the Will Eisner Award for comic book writers. He's the Will Eisner Award. Um, It's like same thing in Japan for manga artists. It's like, I forgot the name of the award they do in Japan. Shonen Jump sponsorship. I forgot. Oh my god, what's the name of the award? I know the the last name is Tezuka Award, but I forgot the first name. But it's 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 an award... Of the highest regard for manga artists, so I can, it's 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 that feeling as well of recognition by your peers, basically. And and what and it's 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 so it helps. It could really truly help an artist that you may have never known of, which has happened in the past. Like really, it could really you know project their careers into a good standing that you know. And it could be very fulfilling for these people. Some people don't care about it, and some people do. I. And, and so, every year I've seen this. Um, I don't watch the Grammys per se. I always just look at the nomination list. I don't. I can't stand the award show. I, just, I don't like award shows like that too much. They're just so weird and just like hyper, just weird. And so, every year it seems to be like the Academy really snubs people because of, you know they only. I mean, every we've had years to where this album should definitely one year album of the year, and then they give it to. Uh, We'll say an industry head who, like for instance, this year a lot of people were talking shit about Taylor Swift because I guess she released an album called Folklore, and then she released the deluxe one later in the year mm-hmm. of this year. She just dropped it, and they let it in to the when they were doing the polling, they let the deluxe version in, but she released this album earlier before the cutoff. Or like she released the album way before they even started taking the, the nominations. Deluxe. Like they caught off yeah. for like submissions, basically. Yeah, we'll say that. So, what they what they notice is like, what the? How does that make any sense? Like, so anybody because the Outcast draft. I saw this on the Joe Budden podcast. Shout out to the Joe Budden podcast. Uh, Rory was mentioning how they or Budden, Joe Budden mentions like so. Uh, Aqua Mini by Outcast. They released a deluxe edition this year. Great album. And they, and so that means they could be nominated too. What the hell? Or even uh, Nazis Omatic as well. Like why can't? Uh, it's like if we're gonna start pulling bullshit out like that, like why not? So like so she gets two albums. So I'm like, oh, but I know why. It's because she's industry darling. Like 
emotional soul life, but whatever. Like, you, I, I'm not saying that. Like, I'm, it is what it is, but we always see this be the case. Like, I remember back then, Nicki Minaj, like, she scored, she, she won, like, an album, I can't remember what, Pink Friday, right? She dropped that. She had a lot of freaking awards. It was a top-selling album for first number one top-selling album for a female rapper of all time. Mm-hmm. And she was on the track for, for like, months. Snubbed and lost the album to Von Ivers, Forever, uh, Go Emma. But I, uh, it's a great album, too, but it's kind of like... To, like She really had a hell of a year, that, and she's been snubbed like six years. I'm not the biggest fan of Nicki Minaj, but she's a hell of a rapper. Like As far as a female rapper is concerned, she's... She's one of the best, so there's no sense of like she's getting really snubbed here. But that's just one of the examples of how they do that. Or with uh, Macklemore when he won his album, with, even though Kendrick Lamar's "Hip Butterfly" should have fucking won that the year, but they gave it to Macklemore. And even Macklemore went on Twitter and said, "I apologize," but like Kendrick Lamar should have won. But it's not a cho- like it's not his choice. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 whoever does the voting. Yeah, it's so, like, disconnected. And like I love how like. Drake saying like don't pay attention to these cats like they're not like just when you have your fan base you have like yeah I understand Drake that's awesome did you say that but you're also Drake (laughs) you're you're, like you're gonna go you have more hits than the Beatles like you say in your song like it's you're gonna go down as one of the best like most most selling artists of all time like you're up there dog so like yeah it's easy for you to say when you have a lot of up-and-comers still trying to grasp at like making a success for their art so Anyways, without further ado, like, I'll just read the general category, because, like, if some of these I don't really listen to, but I'm just going to give you my, like, armchair kind of feeling on why they're even on here, it's kind of strange. Because, I, like I said, I was watching the Budden podcast, and they went over it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, like, and I will admit, like, there's not a lot of these artists I've listened to, per se, but I know of the name and familiar, and, like, their style, what they, what they make, because, like, you do hear some of these on the radio. Okay. Um, and some of them I do listen to, but, uh... So for like the general record of the year, right? Because that's always important. So I'll do like record of the years, which is like a song, not not a check, not an album. Yeah, yeah, it's album. Yeah, it's a song. It'll be uh, "Black Parade" by Beyonce, not to be confused with "My Chemical Romance's Black Parade." <laughs> I love them. Uh, Beyonce's "Black Parade," um, "Colors" by Black Pumas, excellent man. Hmm. Uh, Star, the baby featuring Roddy Rich, very catchy song. It was on the radio for a while. Very like it. It's cool. It's all right. It's a bop. Um, Say So by Doja Cat, which is a female rapper. She's pretty good, too. Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish. Everybody knows who she is. Um, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, which is a very catchy, like, kind of funky song. Um, Circles by Post Malone kind of had, gives you that dreams by Fleetwood Mac kind of feel. Definitely influences in there. And uh, Savage by Meg Stallion, who is having a hell of a year. Um, that's featuring Beyonce. So Beyonce's nominated in two of these by her own track and as well as a, a supporting um, yeah now I have no problem with this per se for record of the year um I will mention uh that I'm surprised that Black Pumas are getting a, a, a nod here I'm very surprised because hmm. like they're they're very much still not underground but they're still very much indie I mean the, the 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 producer for them the lead singer and all that he produced it he engineered and mixed it and then uh, he had one other, uh, J.J. Golden is the mastering engineer for it. So, like, that's pretty, you know, brass bones. And I always respect that. Like, And, and compared to a, a couple of these household names like Beyonce, who has, like, 17 different team people to write her songs. But that's neither here nor there. 
so for album of the year, we got, and this is where I'm going to be like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to be for album of the year, uh, I think I'm saying this right, Chilombo, which is by uh, Dean Aiko, which she does like very sultry R&B and she's excellent. Um, I could see why she won this album. Uh, Black Pumas again for the, the, their self-titled album, the deluxe edition, they got nominated for that. Everyday Life by Coldplay. Um, Jesse Volume 3 by Jacob Collier. We don't know what that is. Um, Women in Music Part 3 by Haim. Produced by Rostam Munji. Please, if you don't know him from Vampire Weekend. Producer of Lipa's Future Nostalgia, which is just a... They got a go with pop, right? So it's always pop, right? Um, Hollywood's Bleeding by Colts Malone. And uh, Folklore by Taylor Swift. Now, right here is where you lose me. Okay. Now, why isn't the weekend's album on here? Why isn't it? You're telling me Coldplay's Everyday Life, and I, no, 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 like disregard to Coldplay. They, they, you know, they've been stuck around since 2000, so they, you know, it's not a surprise. But I don't. Why, like, who, who's Coldplay? I don't know who this Jesse, like Jacob Collier. I don't know who that is per se. I'm not gonna. I shouldn't talk shit about it because I haven't listened to it. But like, no, like, no disrespect to that. But I'm just kind of like. Can't, there's not a lot of room to really like. There's you have to have a very solid argument to tell me why the weekend doesn't But I digress. Like just a couple of these names are just weird. Like they're just doesn't make like yeah. Post Malone had a solid album. I don't know if this would have been album of the year. Like I know they based it on films. Like, I don't. I don't see that. I just don't. But nonetheless. Like, I really think, I really feel like Roddy Rich to the guy I'm right here, too, or even Little Baby, but, like, I also, like, listen to a lot more hip-hop than, than like, the, the Grammy Award, what the Grammy Academy would pertain to, supposedly, because you put Popo on here because he transcends both of those categories, because he does the, you know, he does the pop and the rap, but it's, like, a mixed, like, melodic, mm-hmm. so, I understand that, but it's weird, um, but anyways, I just don't understand why they're, he's getting a snub so fast. Um, here, and the other one I do want to mention is the Song of the Year and then uh, the Best New Artist. So for Song of the Year, we're going to do, um, it's the Songwriters Award, a song that's eligible if it was first released or if it first achieved comments during the eligibility of the year. Okay. So tracks right so we have black parade again by beyonce written by denicia andrews yeah like five seven eight ten people then we got the box by samuel Gold and roderick moore aka roddy rich which was the song of the year dog like besides bonnie lights that had to be the most selling song dude there was an article they released he made six million dollars for the label wow six dollars. i don't even know if he even saw that but six million dollars um, Cardigan by Aaron Desner and Taylor Swift. I'm assuming that's going to be other album. Um, Circles again with Post Malone. Um, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa was a big song of the year. Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish, of course. Um, and then I Can't Breathe by uh, by uh, her. I don't know if you listened to her before, but she's like an R&B soul kind of singer. Very excellent. I like her. Uh, um, and then If the World Was Ending by J.P. Sachs featuring Julia Michaels. Uh, which is very, you know, relevant to today's world. So I have, I don't have a lot of problems there, except for the fact that Morning Life isn't on there. I'm 
you can't. It was one of the most screamed songs of the year. You can't tell me that. Nothing about either that or like they didn't even give a nod to Juice World. It was surprising in the rap category, but on the pop, like he's pretty pop rap, and I'm surprised they didn't give him a nod. R.I.P. Juice World, by the way. So very, very interesting on what they're doing. Like Yummy, like. This, for a quick reference, that song Yummy was nominated for Best Pop Soul Performance. Yummy by Justin Bieber, that terrible ass song. But uh, I wanted to also read the new artist, right? Best new artist. Yeah. Uh, which some of them, I don't know if you will know them. And I, don't even I don't know. I've been, like, when, when it comes to music, I've been, like, it's not like I don't want to listen to new artists, but there's very few artists I'll listen to based on what Spotify recommends or what I see, like, people talk about. Like, I. I heard about the weekend because based on a lot of people sharing on social media about the weekend, and like a song buying lunch for me, I'm I'm like when it comes to music, I'm like stuck in my ways. Like artists yeah, that I listen to all the time, like Gorillas, you know, Foo Fighters. They always like they always putting on new songs. I mean, ACDC this year coming out with a new album, which actually was really good. I actually got the whole album on Spotify. Listen to the tracks. Oh my god, it's like old school ACDC man. It was just. Ah, it was great. Dude, man, I was pretty good too. Um, it just—it's it, right when I needed. Uh, side note: they listen to the ACDC album, guys. It's pretty great. It's just if you're a big fan of ACDC, it's just like—it's just like we got the band back together. It's so good. Oh, I loved it. Um, but anyways, best new artist. So like, there's Ingrid Andres, which I don't know who that is. Um, mm-hmm. but congrats. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers, who has been a very like social media, internet kind of. For that generation, she's been famous. She writes very, like, melancholic, whimsical, like, it's hard to describe, but very alternative, but it's good. Like, she's she was on the 1975's recent album. I really liked it, um, but I'm biased with that, too. Also, there's an, also nominated as Chica, uh, Noah Cyrus, uh, D Smoke, who's a rapper, Doja Cat, rapper, um, one of my personal favorite producers and influences, uh, K. Trinata, finally, finally gets a nod. I'm so excited. I, I'm so glad he got nominated. So, K. Trinata, congratulations for being Grammy nominated. Long overdue. Excellent producer. Um, and then Megan Thee Stallion, who's had a hell of a year uh, with songs. Like, not even WAP was nominated, I don't think. And that was everywhere, right? It's, it's It even was on the news. Like, when a song has to be in the news, you gotta know it's something, right? <laughs> like, like you gotta know, and it, it was so culturally significant. Um, but like, yeah, even even when I scroll down, look some of the dance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like every time I look, like there's some good nominees. Like Flume was nominated, Disclosure, uh, Diplo was nominated, uh, Kitchenada's album Ten Percent was nominated for Dance Like Child, which I'm so glad that they're really giving nods to good artists. Uh, and then even Medea for Good Faith um, got a single. For this album as well, and a disclosure as well. I could be biased, but like, yeah, some, a lot of solid people were nominated here for like electronic, and then we got rock, right? We have Fiona yeah, Fiona Apple's album. Oh, Fiona Apple, yeah. wow. Yeah, she released it earlier this year. Um, Big Thief with Matt. Uh, they're very, very alternative, but good sound. And then a few Bridgers Kyoto, the Came with the Steps, Stay High. These are singles because it's best rock performance. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Brittany Howard and Daylight by Grace Potter. Which I guess she's not with the Nocturnals anymore. Hmm. So, well, I guess she's just doing a single. But, um, yeah, and then if I'll read you, since you listen to Metal too, 
Um, so for metal, it's body count for bum rush because it came back for an album. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ice T has been touring with body count. Like they toured throughout the years before this COVID shit. But uh, I don't know if they ever released an album. I haven't listened to them forever. A uh, Code Orange, Jesus. Yeah, Code Orange has been mentioned a lot. Yeah, geez, I'm surprised. Um, um, in this moment, they've been around for a while. Um, Poppy with Blood Money, I'm surprised. Yeah, Poppy. Well, I like about NXT, like Poppy, because I'm, I heard Code Orange and Poppy be through, um, you know, wrestling through NXT because yeah. NXT they bring a lot of, like these indie. They usually bring like a lot of these indie performances. So they had Code Orange, like like, like they bring the artists on there, and they had Poppy come out singing, um. One of the artists, uh, one of the wrestlers, uh, Io Shirai, she came out, I think, the last TakeOver event. Um, they had her accompany her to the ring. Oh, that's cool. Like, she what sang, like, the opening song, Halloween Havoc. When they, when they relaunched Halloween Havoc, they had Poppy make an appearance at the beginning of the show. And they had Cole Orange oh. come out. They had Cole Orange come out for, um, I forgot what song they played. It was at a take, one of the TakeOvers when they had fans before COVID. They had Cole Orange do some songs, too, as well. So I heard those things before Poppy. Like, yeah, I got I to gotta listen to her. Because it's interesting, like, her songs are really good. I gotta listen to Cold Orange again as well, because the only time I see it when I introduce new artists is do wrestling, because especially NXT, they, they get a lot of these, like, indie wrestling labels, and they get shut out on Spotify, and, like, go oh, check out on Spotify, check them out and stuff, which is which I like is cool, because they get them through there. Yeah, they're out Like, there. Memphis Mayfire's in our band, that's cool too, Memphis Mayfire's a good one. No, yeah, like, I'm not surprised, uh, I'm not surprised it got nominated. Big baby metal, dude, oh my god. Baby um, metal, when it comes to metal, like Japanese metal and rock metal, oh my god, so good. Baby metal, definitely check out their albums, they're really good. I like baby metal. Um, and cool. then, like, there's Best Rock Album. Uh, let's see, Fountains DC was nominated, uh, Michael Kiwanuka, Grace Potter, Sturgill Simpson, excellent, and The Strokes. Ooh, uh, The Strokes. And, yeah. and it's funny, because there's like a little... A little subtitle here where it says for albums for best rock album for albums containing at least fifty one percent playing time of new rock hard rock or metal recordings. That's so it's, are they getting it from like I'm wondering if they're getting that just based on streams. I'm guessing. I don't know. Uh, I think they're checking based on the algorithms, based on the streams. I'm assuming. Album that's built up and what they categorize as rock these days. Um, because rock now, rock now has become like to me, rock has become more of a broad term now when it comes to music because there's so many yeah. divisions from it now. City with hip hop and RB, there's some divisions of it. Like there's different branches, but rock to me is more of a broad term because now you got alternative, you got new metal, metal, heavy metal, classic rock, you know, Spanish rock. I mean, it, it's so much that drama has spread out so much. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's funny that they put that, but um, I would put some of these artists on their alternative. Which that was the last one I want to read. Is that? Um, mm-hmm. Because I want to give a big mention to uh, Tame Impala with their great album, The Slow Rush. They were nominated for the Best Alternative Music Album, uh, as well as um, back for Hyperspace, Fiona Apple for her album, Fetch the Bolt Clutters, um, Vee Bridger's Punisher, Jamie by Brittany Howard. And, and these are all excellent artists that are around, um, who have been around this decade, uh, with the exception of Phoebe Bridgers and Brittany Howard, who've been coming off this scene for the last couple of years now, finding success. So, and then we have Fiona Apple back from the nineties and then team Impala, who's been around since the, the beginning of the decade. And, and it's truly, truly, truly influenced and changed the alternative landscape of music and got just production in general. And just Kevin Parker is just amazing. Um, but yeah, and then I guess, uh, Trevor Noah has been announced as the host for uh, the next 2021 Grammys. So oh, interesting. 
be uh, interesting, but all in all, I, there's as I go down, there's a couple, couple of good albums. Um, I will say for rap, uh, for best rap song of the year, we'll say like Deep Reverence by Big Sean with Nipsey Hussle, which I really did enjoy that song. R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle. Um, then Bach by The Baby, What's Poppin', Jack Harlow, yeah, The Bigger Picture by Little Baby, Savage by Megan Thee Stallion with Beyonce, and Dior Pop Smoke, R.I.P. Pop Smoke. So like. Drake, Drake was nominated this year, and, and like you know, he's usually talked about, but he is—he's got nominated for his song uh, "Laugh Now, Cry Later," featuring Drake with Lil Durk, uh, Shy Town, R.P. or not R.P. Uh, shout out to Lil Durk—he's still around. Um, excellent song, but like, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see how this landscape has changed throughout the years, and we're not getting like the regular hospital names, but the—that's the, my gripe is that the Academy wants to only hold on to those types, you know, mm-hmm. to, to the mainstays because they don't want them to sh- shake their pockets because I'm sure they get money deals from the, 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 the labels to kind of, you know, get them a special consideration. You know, I'm sure they get lobbied too, just like our politics. So it's, it's, it's strange to see that not only in our government, it, gets, it works that way. It works the same with these music uh, industry shows. Uh, same thing with, I'm sure the movie academy is the same way. Oh, yeah. With these students. Yeah, like, so it's, uh, moral of the day is, corruption's everywhere. Just hope that it's not within you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope and keep it that it's not you. Uh, well, if you want to give an anime recognition, you can. I can look up a life ball tip. Okay. For it. But, uh, Oh my dude! One thing before we get into the my anime recommendation, we do talk about um earlier today. Um, Universal Studios Japan unveiled Super Mario Land, Super Mario World, um Nintendo Land, at Universal Studios Japan, and the date is supposed to be February. Supposed to be in February. Just supposed to open the park, that part of the park, which I saw the pictures. I'm like, dang it! If they would allow us to enter that country, I definitely want to go. Super Nintendo oh, Land, dude. Yeah. Super Nintendo Land with Mario and all that shit. Oh, my God. Like, my nostalgia radar was going off the charts. It was like, ugh. But it's like, right now, we can't even go in Japan right now because we're... We can't go to Japan right now because we're on the ban list right now because due to COVID. So, it's like... Like, shout out to people that are living in Japan or overseas. People working over there right now. Lucky. Hopefully, once, you know, they allow, once our cases go down, hopefully they'll open the borders. Let's go over there because I definitely that's one of the first places I definitely want to check out is Universal Studios Japan and check out you know the Super Nintendo Land because based on the pictures wow. and the promotional shots it looks pretty cool. I'm excited because oh, it would be such a blast. And then after seeing that, it's like it, that's like the one of the first things I want to do when we go because it's just ah oh, they look at that 580 million that's a lot of money to spend but I'm sure like the money is going to go and, and, and it's going because like I said. But with Nintendo, they're so very, like, like I said, this is a big thing for Nintendo because it's like, think about it, they're like one of the, when it comes to their IP, they really are protected of it. So, able to work on a deal with Universal Studios to do this is like really amazing how they were able to do this collaboration. Like I said, I'm, hopefully once they open up next year, definitely that's one of the first things we gotta go check out when we go to Japan, just check that out there. Besides Akihabara. Um, you know, Shibuya Station, of course, Ikebukuro is another industry I want to go, district I want to go to. Of course, Tokyo Disneyland as well, to see how Disneyland is run, which I heard so far in Japan has been doing okay. So, 
They've been like doing the social distancing and everything there. And of course, I want to go to the various temples and shrines, pay respects, you know. And like I said, visit the towns and stuff. And visit like Tokyo, explore Tokyo, because you can pretty much explore everywhere. Especially go to that Gundam place with the giant Gundam statue there as well, by the baseball stadium as well. There's a giant moving Gundam statue, dude. That's definitely that's in Japan. There's a lot of things like this. There's a lot of things planned for next year that I want to go, definitely. So. For my anime recognition, like, cause honestly, um, this anime I started watching was it? We're starting watching like on. I was watching it again on Sunday because they just released the last part of the season. Um, it's called, of course, on Netflix Japan they put a season two technically, but it's like the second part of the season. It's called Great Pretender. Um, it's an original anime television series. I pulled this information from Wikipedia. Um, it's by produced by Wit Studio and directed by Hiro Kaburagi, written by Ryota Kosawa. In the character designs are by Yoshi, Yoshiyuki Sadamoto and the music is composed by Yutaka, Yutaka Yamada. He composed the theme song GP. While the ending theme of the song of the song is a cover of the Great Pretender performed by the late Freddie Mercury, which is kind of cool as a closing theme song. Um, and I got the song on Spotify, so it was really good. So it was released on Netflix Japan, of course, on Netflix Japan at first, and then we got it like earlier this year. Um, and it's basically the whole premise is basically um Makoto Endamame, he's a con artist. Um pretty much um he gets by by conning people and he tries to con this one Frenchman named Lorette Theory, but he ends up getting conned by him. And then he gets pulled to this world of because he's a confidence man, so he gets pulled into this whole ring. Well, I do apply, but this anime itself, I mean, I watched a dub. I might, might go back and watch a dub, um, sub. But I like for a fact that they kind of like, they made the show kind of multilingual. Because it started off being subtitled because, oh, in Japan, just to get the idea. I think they did that just to see how, the, just to get people introduced, like how these characters sound like in their native language. Then eventually it branched out to English and it said, the rest of this portion of this episode is going to be translated in English. So, um, which is cool. And they think it's basically these people, it's a group of con artists, but the sole purpose is of, of taking down bad people mm-hmm. by going after their money and splitting amounts everybody else. Basically, they con the money out of these corrupt people. And, of course, one of the examples is um, he ends up following them down going to L.A., where they end up um, coming across this mafioso who was into the drug ring, but his like public image is he's a movie producer. So they end up like this con job, basically, he brings Makoto in and basically make a bet and see if they get away with this con who works for him, vice versa, and pretty much tries to, like, Lorette tries to uh, pass him off as a scientist and they pretend like this candy, this Japanese candy is an actual drug. And they get like another girl named Abigail in it who's, you know, I forgot what country she's from, but she's a good fighter, but she's really dexterous. And then you get another person as well. Um, but it's like every episode's like different cases. So the first episode's called Los Angeles Connection. So it's kind of cool because you get to see the U.S. and stuff. And, this, and the show's really bright and colorful. I like the art style. The backgrounds are so vibrant and bright. It's really cool. So definitely check that out. And like I said, um, last week, last Friday, they released um, the last case of the season, which is um, called The Wizard of the Far East. Which explores, you know, the Chinese mafia and st- the Japanese mafia and the Shanghai um, mafia as well, and the Yakuza in Japan. And it kind of gives this whole backstory of these characters, uh, of these characters in general, and it's really good. 
Um, definitely check it out. The action's great. I mean, the characters are funny. It's kind of, it's a comedy. It's almost like a comedy-esque. Just like, it, they have just action and stuff, but it's more like a comedy. But it's really good. I'm going to definitely check it out. It's called The Green Pretender. Like I said, having Freddie Mercury as the closing thing, as the closing song is really cool. Like, a lot of cats and stuff, but it's like, it's really good. And you get a lot of backstory to the characters as well. Why they do it. Why they con people. You know, how they, how this whole thing turns together. But definitely check it out. It's really good. It's called Great Pretender. It's on Netflix. So, that's my recommendation, guys. So, did you find anything for ProLife from the ProLife Reddit, Vigo? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, and I feel like it's relevant to, um, well, to a lot of things in life. But uh, I'll, I'll kind of make it also relevant because to uh, Bears fans. As a, oh, as, God. Uh, as Sunday. Wait, honestly, it honestly, before we get into it, it's like, and I, I read from the conference that Nagy came out, he pretty much called everybody out. Because Nagy, he called out everybody. He said everybody takes responsibility, not just me. Everybody takes responsibility for this game performance. Because it was like the defense fell asleep throughout that whole game. Like, like give it up to Trubisky. It was a mediocre performance he did, but the defense fell asleep. They had a whole bye week to prepare. It's like the defense just fell asleep. And then going back, and Rodgers did not get hit. He did not get sacked. He got hurried. He got pressured, but he still made plays. Yeah. And Mitch played like Mitch. You know, there were some mistakes he would have done that should have, like, never happened. Huh? And he got three touchdowns. He got picked off twice. But one fumble, it should have been called a face mask because it, it was clear evidence of that Packers player when he stripped them. Grabbed his face max on the way down. So, so they, but like I said, the defense pretty much like, they pretty much fell asleep the whole game. They didn't put pressure on, yeah, they didn't have a Keem Hicks, but still, you had a lot of guys on that defense to step up because that was the only thing that was kind of helping them out throughout, even though they, this is like their fifth loss in a row. It's fifth loss in a row, but it's like, it's getting to a the point they're going to have to rebuild, but it's like, Mitch played like he's playing to get that spot back. And it's like I said, I'm not disagreeing. The offensive line didn't do this bad because it was a reshuffle of offensive line. It wasn't as bad. Yeah, there were a few sacks, but honestly, they tried their best. Like, I mean, Dave McGurney branched out, but it's like the defense pretty much, that game of defense pretty much fell asleep that whole game. No, it, it, it was. And that's the thing, we've gotten used to this, uh, at least for Chicago sports. Sorry I threw it off, but it's like I had to say something. It was just, it was just, no, it was abysmal. Right, it, was a, right. it was abysmal yeah. performance. I mean, you, especially when you have a whole bye week to prepare, which was abysmal. Oh, yeah. it's kind of, like, it's basically the equivalent of having a month or two to write a, a final paper. And yeah. you got it, and you, and you wait until the last two days to do it. Like, when you have two months to research and develop your, your thesis and stuff, but... Nonetheless, what I mentioned is like this is kind of relevant to that. But um, <laughs> and when it, the life pro tip I want to give for the day is uh, don't give away loyalty so easily. Brands, companies, sports teams, managers, and others will most likely take it for granted and offer very little in return. Constantly ask yourself what you're getting in return for your loyalty to anyone or anything. And then the the person like who posted this went on a like a pretty long description, but it says like. What he does, I want to give like some key takeaways, but it's like people are naturally loyal to the things they like, but behind the scenes, those things are very rarely loyal back. Well, in his pers- in his um, case, he worked for a major phone manufacturer, 
and he was shown the two latest models. One was heavy, solid, had flashy graphics and functionality, while the other one was plastically light and had very basic functionality. Mm -hmm. I was told that one of them was designed by the top in-house design team and made with premium parts, while the other one was just made to fill in the gap in the release calendar, which, uh, as we can say, uh, Apple or Samsung, they're both very guilty of that. He just doesn't want to say it because it makes sense. Um, it was made by a Chinese company only using 40% of the spec we had sent them. It had an older OS that couldn't be updated. The only similarity in these photos or these phones was the logo and the name. Almost nothing else connected to products. And yet, if you were a fan of this company, you would be under the impression that everything you expected can come from both of the devices. But in another paradigm, you can look at it like this. There was a favorite pub I, I used to go to that had ethical products, watching out for the supply chains for any food that they served, and they made a point of this in the identity of the place. One day they sold the business to somebody else, who quietly changed course to cut costs and changed the whole nature of the business without mentioning it. Only by knowing to ask about it would you find out the fundamental change had taken place. So in hindsight, he's saying, think twice before you're allowing the illusion of a two-way trust and respect to influence how you use your passion and your money. Oh, he also mentions political parties, but I don't want to get into that because we all know that, like, yes, don't don't identify with these political parties. Don't just identify with your beliefs and your values and what you see fit. Uh, because we time and time again we see that happening. So that they don't, they're not, they're not loyal to what they campaign. They don't. It's always. You know, they say whatever they can to get in, and once they're in, it's like it turns into corrupt club 90210, and it just ends up being the worst ever. It's just back to high school. You know, you, you stand with your clicks, same thing as other clicks are corporate, corporate oligarchs. Mm-hmm. So, and then, though, I wanted to say that, yes, remember, please be aware of where you put your money to and what you use them with some of these companies. At the end of the day, I know we're, we're freaking. We're under a pandemic and people are in some constraints. So, you know, you do have power with where you put your money at the end of the day. So just say your loyalty should remain to yourself and to whom you see as fit. All right. That's the moral of the life pro tip. Cool. Not bad. All right. I think that's pretty much it. I don't think I got anything else to add there. So not bad. Um, like again, thank you so much guys for listening in on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at pop talking. Make sure to check out poddax.com. Make sure to use that special promo code at the beginning of this episode. Actually, really cool. We might go back and use another episode with Poddax. We might have to shuffle up the deck. Um, like I said, we are going to try to get like friends that we interacted with before. On before, so we'll try to get people in. Of course, with pandemic, you know, kind of changes. Everyone's schedules are all kind of whack. But I think now with this format right now, because we're using Google Meetings, so it'll probably be easier to do it. So. Be easier, so definitely check it out. You can check out our merch store at teespring.com slash talking pop. We got shirts, we got hoodies right now, especially it's freaking cold outside. We got coffee mugs. Um, I do have some shirt designs, that... <laughs> and I do, yeah, especially with hoodie weather, but it's also heavy sweater weather. Definitely get a mug, especially it's hot chocolate weather right now, so or coffee, whatever's your advice, but um. Yeah, I do have some designs coming up with the shirts and stuff, so I had to put them up and get them all going. Um, you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pop. You know, we put links to the episodes on there. Um, you can catch us on, we like to think Anchor, which our main platform is on. We're also available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also on iHeartRadio. 
Um, definitely check us out there. Make sure to follow um, and listen to the episodes. Um, we like to do a big shout out to our international listeners. And let me see if we can pull up the, the, the analytics here. Hold on. I want to mention you guys. I keep forgetting to mention you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Our international losers now are here in the U.S., but we also thank um, people from the country of Ireland. For now, oh, thank you, Canada, for supporting our show as well. Thank you, uh, fellow Canadians. Um, Philippines, Germany, United, the U.K., United Kingdom, France, Singapore, Malaysia, India, and Peru. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to our podcast. It means a lot to us. And like I said, make sure to check us out on Anchor. Once again, thank you, Anchor, so much, and to Poddex for sponsoring. You can check out our backlog episodes as well. Like I said, follow our socials. You can follow me at the franchise eighty five. Go ahead and just follow just me, or like I said, check out the podcast. I do also do Twitch. Um, you can follow me on twitch.tv slash franchise six eighty five. I am the casual gamer. I do pretty much role playing games, JRPGs, one of those hidden gems that people. Because I'm not like everybody else, where I do shooters or freaking Fortnite, Overwatch, League of Legends, all that. I do role playing games. Some people are fans of it. I love JRPGs. They're more different, especially having a PS4 kind of expand my horizons to the, to the east. So, so definitely check those out. Um, if you're curious about what I listen to, what I watch on anime, um, definitely check out Crunchyroll, Funimation, High Dive, Hulu, or Netflix for your anime fix. Um, Biko, any socials you want to share? Um, please, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram and. Mainly, it's just me posting uh, either memes or uh, myself or things that, like, or I'm an artist I'm into or, or any artwork or um, people I, I, I like to promote and gotten to know. So uh, if you guys want to follow me at, at the wander underscore the underscore boy, uh, you can follow me there as well. I'm going to have a separate page that I'm working on uh, strictly for my music and all that. So I'll have that up relatively soon. Um, so you guys can follow me there. But I know for the next episode, I'll plug that in. But yeah, if you guys can follow, follow me on that social. Uh, I don't really use much of anything else that I post, uh, mainly just Instagram. But if you want funny memes or, or critical thoughts, critical thinking memes, or uh, artwork, photographs, music, um, anything... Alright guys, have a good rest of your week. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and always geek on and take care. See you next week. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise of Biko. Just letting you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs, and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.